Praise the Lord. Welcome to the official GVPC podcast. My name is Pastor Chris Keats. I am the pastor of Gila Valley Pentecostal Church in Safford, Arizona. We're so glad to have you here listening to this podcast. We pray that it richly blesses you. And God bless you. see what happens because we've got bills to pay. Amen. But God is good and we're here in the presence of the Lord and God's going to move and do great things. Amen. I'm going to get right into the Word of God. A very fascinating book. Amen. I mentioned to my youngest daughter last night, she called me and I said, I'm going to preach today from the Song of Solomon. She goes, whoa, that's quite the book to preach from. And I said, I love to preach from the Song of Solomon. Amen. Song of Solomon, the second chapter and the first verse says this. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. As a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. As the apple tree Among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me is love. Oh, yes. I'm going to preach today. Might seem like a strange title for a message. Preach the lily and the apple tree. The lily and the apple tree. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your grace, O God. Thank you, Lord, for all you have done in this service. And I pray, dear Lord, that you will move even more and touch everyone. God, I want us to understand your love for us. And I want us to show our love to you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, you may be seated. The Song of Solomon is a love song. It is eight chapters of unabashed love and passion between two people. People have made the statement that it's best read by mature people. Amen. It is understood by many, and I believe this to be so, to be an allegorical ballad, if you will, of the love between Christ and his church. Amen. And uh, and some would maybe disagree with me on that, and I really don't care. This is what I'm going to preach. Amen. But in the first book of the Song of Solomon, you find an exchange between uh, what what seems to be a young man and a young woman, and they're they're going back and forth. And I, uh, the Song of Solomon is a is a difficult 
book to interpret because it it goes back and forth and back and forth all of the time and you've got you've got you've got voices from different people speaking and and some people feel like it is referring to uh, Solomon King Solomon and it's and his uh, his relationship with the young Shulamite maiden and then there I, I heard one of the neatest messages and I don't know if I agree with it but uh, Brother Dallas Mefford, you probably remember him, preached a message where he said that that the there were three protagonists in there. There was a Solomon who was trying to bring this woman into his harem. There was a young woman and a shepherd that was her true love. It's a phenomenal message. I don't know whether I agree with his premise, but it's a beautiful message. Amen. And uh, but so there's a lot of things, but you can see that there's an exchange that is going on between a, a man and a woman, a young man and a woman, if you will, there in the first chapter of, uh, of Song of Solomon. And he speaks to her, and he says this in the 15th verse of the first chapter, Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair. Thou hast dove eyes. And, and then she responds to him and said, Behold, thou art fair. Fair, my beloved, yea, pleasant. Also, our bed is green. Or a, 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 there, there, she speaks it that way. In the New Living Translation, which sometimes I like to use as a reference, it says this. It says, how beautiful you are. The first part of the exchange, my darling, how beautiful you are. Your eyes are like the eyes of a dove. Amen. And she responds to him and says, you are so handsome, my love, pleasing beyond words. The soft grass is our bed. And you can feel the intensity of the love that is going on here. And we might look at it as a little sappy and cheesy, but when you begin to feel, realize that this is, this is the love of Christ for his church, a depth of love and a depth of passion, amen, that sometimes we can't understand. It no longer becomes sappy in our, in our view. And then from that point, it moves on into chapter 2, and there is an interesting I feel somewhat of a change right there in the beginning of that chapter. The Bible says here, and somebody says, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. And, and there are those that believe that, uh, that it is referring to Christ making that statement. And, and I have always felt that way. And, uh, and I've went back and looked at it and studied it and checked out some different translations and stuff, um, we, we've always said that, that this is a reference to Christ. In fact, we sing a song. I used to sing a song, uh, a precious Jesus, sweet rose of Sharon, and so on. Wonderful, beautiful song. And if you feel like that is what it's talking about, that's fine with me. But I tend to believe that the one who is speaking here is not Christ, but the young lady. In fact, most translators and scholars feel that the young lady is making this statement. She's saying, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. And it's interesting here because we, we tend to conflate it uh, into something that maybe it doesn't mean. We look at that and we think of a glorious red rose and all of that, except that's what, not what it is. The New Living Translation 
translation says, I am the spring crocus blooming on the plains of Sharon. Some others say, I am a flower, even a common flower that blooms in the midst of the field. In other words, I'm just a field flower. I'm a lily that's out there in the valley. And there's a little bit of a, almost a, if you read it that way, almost a self-depreciating way of talking about it. It's kind of like he comes up to her and he says, you are so beautiful, my love. You're, you're just, have you ever watched the interplay between a young man and a young woman? Maybe you experienced it at one time. You're so beautiful. I tell my wife that all the time. She makes a funny face at me when I do it. <laughs> you're so beautiful. You are the most beautiful thing. I, tell, I do. I tell my wife that all the time. You're so gorgeous. I just like to watch you. I just like to look at you. Amen. But you get the young people. You know, oh, you're so beautiful. Oh, my. I've never seen anything so beautiful in my life. You just, and she responds, oh, man, you're so handsome. I didn't get that much, but, you know, <laughs> you're so, oh, oh, it's back and forth. Anybody around is like, could you guys just shut up already, you know? <laughs> Amen. And that's kind of the way it is. If you've ever courted or dated or what they called sparked, <laughs> they have no idea what that word means. If you've sparked with a, a young lady or whatever, you know what I'm talking about. It's just that, oh, oh, you're so beautiful. The, the challenge is 25, 35 years later when you look at her, like I do to my wife, and say, you are so beautiful. <laughs> Amen. But uh, she, you're so beautiful. She's, oh, you're so handsome. And they look at each other. And then she kind of lowers her eyes and coyly looks at him and says, I'm not that I'm not really that pretty. I'm just an average girl. Anybody ever been down that road? I, I, and, and it's a little play there. It's a little, it's a little manipulation maybe. It's a little bit of, it's a little bit of a, a tactic that's being, I'm not that pretty, you know. I'm just a common flower growing up in the grass of the plain. I'm just, I'm just a lily that springs up down in the valley. Come on, I'm not that pretty, you know. We know what's working here. We know the dynamics here. We know how it's going. Amen. And, uh, and, and he, he's just told her how beautiful she is and all of that. It's just, it's, it's, it's something to see. But what we begin to find here, and I, I want to help you to understand the love that God has for his people. I want you to understand that his love reaches beyond anything that you can imagine. And whatever you may see yourself as, amen. And, and there's a little bit of, of genuine sin sincerity in this when she looks at this handsome man that, that everybody wants to have. And he's paying attention to her, amen. He's looking at her, and he's like, "She's like, I'm not real. I, I'm not all that. I'm not. I'm just not as beautiful. I, I I'm just me." He says in one place, "I'm black because of the sun, amen. I work in the fields. I, I'm just a common person. I, I, 
I'm really not that much. Amen. You need to understand that whatever you think of yourself, none of us are worthy. But I'm going to tell you, by the power and the love of God, he has made us worthy. Amen. And the love of God that is extended to us is beyond anything you can understand. He looks at her, and he doesn't see the common lily of the field or of the valley. He doesn't see the wildflower growing there. He says, as a lily among the thorns. Amen. He makes a contrast here. He begins to show a contrast. He says, I mean, here we go. You can, if, you walk the, uh, if you walk the hills of Judea. If you go to those places, in so many ways, if you've ever seen pictures of the Judean hills, and I mean, you could take red knolls in the Judean wilderness and put it together and think they're about the same place. Amen. If you've ever been to Red Knolls, and and uh, you can you can look at the hills of the area, the country. It's desert country. It has uh, briars and it has brambles and it has thorny places and it has all of this kind of stuff. If you've ever walked through the hills here, amen. I I, I took a, I took Azzy for a walk the other day, and I spent a lot of my time moving thorn bushes out of the way so he could get through, and uh, and so. Everywhere is the thorny landscape of the Judean hillsides, overgrown fields uh, filled with brambles and briars, a cat claw, the thorny acacia, and all of that. And it's all there. And he looks at her and he says, no, you're something special to me. Like a lily that's grown up uh, among the thorns. Uh, amen. I brought you out. Uh, amen. I preached not too long ago. He brought us out that he might bring us in. Amen. That's not original with me, but I brought us out that he might bring us in. I pulled you out. I picked you out from amongst uh, the thorns. I saw you. Uh, he spoke to, to Israel one time. He said, I saw you. He looked at Jerusalem. He said, when you were bloody. Amen. I saw all of that, uh, but I saw something special in you. I saw something beautiful in you and amongst all the thorns, all of the sin, all of the vile things of this world, I chose you. Zechariah 2 and 8 says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, after the glory he hath sent me unto the nations which spoiled you. For he that touches you touches the apple of my eye. Amen. You're you're not just anybody. You're not just a commoner. You're not just a little flower of the field. You are the apple of my eye. You need to understand as part of the bride of Christ that our Savior loves us beyond anything else. He loves you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We read that phrase, the apple of the eye. And it's interesting, we talk about being part of the body of Christ. The apple 
is literally the most tender and important part of the eye and probably of the body. It's the iris of the eye. It's that place that you do everything to do to protect it. If you're working, you might not wear gloves sometimes, but if you're working with power tours, tools, buddy, you better put on safety glasses. Amen. God speaks of finding and leading his people. He found him in a desert land, Deuteronomy 32 and 10, and in the waste-shouting wilderness. He led him about and instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Psalm 70 and 6 says, keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under uh, the shadow of thy wings. God says, these are my people. You're my people. When you start feeling down, down and dirty and you start feeling worthless, remember this. Uh, you're the apple of his eye. You're the lily amongst the thorns. Uh, you mean something to God. Saul of Tarsus was riding along on a donkey one day headed to Damascus uh, to torment uh, and persecute the Christians uh, that he hated. Uh, amen. Uh, he was there to take them out and imprison them. He had consented to the death of Stephen, the stoning of Stephen, stood there watching the coats of the men that stoned him to death. He hated these people. He was after these people, and he's riding along, and a light flashes out of the sky. Amen. He's knocked off of his mount. He lays on the ground, and a voice says, Saul, Saul, why? persecutest thou me. Now here's a funny thing. He, Saul had never met Jesus. Saul never threw a rock at Jesus. Saul never stood there while they crucified Jesus. Amen. And Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? Wait a minute, I don't know you... He said that. He said, who art thou, Lord? He got a really, he got a really quick course in the oneness of the Godhead right there. Amen. And uh, he said, who art thou, Lord? Amen. It's me. It's Jesus. Amen. He said, why do you persecute me? What do you mean persecute me? I, I've never seen you. I, I've never met you. I, I, I never did anything to you. Oh, yes, you did. Because you touched the apple of my eye. Amen. 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 You could do a lot of things, y'all. And we're so gracious for what God did to Saul. And the, the great man that he became. But you could do a lot of things, Saul. Amen. But you put your hand, amen, on the apple of my eye. You, you reached out and you tried to destroy and crush, amen, the lily amongst the thorns. Amen. That's what happened. Saul, bless God, was repentant. We know that. But we understand something, amen, that whenever you touch God's church and when you go against God's church, God is not pleased with that. Matthew 25 said this, Jesus was speaking, talking about the last uh, days and about the, he spoke about the, the, the judgment of that time. Uh, 
And he spoke that there will come those to him, and the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, uh, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink, or we saw thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked or clothed thee, uh, hallelujah, hallelujah, when we saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee, and the Lord uh, and the king shall answer and say uh, unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of my brethren, uh, ye have done it unto me. Amen. Uh, amen. It's a double-edged sword there. Amen. But uh, he spoke to those that did it and those that did not. But he said to the least of my brethren, amen, uh, I want you to look at yourself uh, and say there's a lot of times, uh, most of the time, I'm the least of the brethren. Uh, amen. Uh, Paul said that of himself. Uh, amen. Uh, but you need to understand uh, Amen. That you are part of the body of Christ. And if the enemy touches you, he's touching Christ. Oh, I'm not much. I'm not that good looking. I can't speak that well. I wish I could preach like Brother Harvey. Amen. I wish I had more hair like Brother Harvey. Amen. I wish I looked like a southern gentleman like Brother Harvey. I'm giving him a hard time. Amen. I hear Jerry Clower coming on out there. They don't know who that is either. Amen. But uh, and, and I and and, and every, there's people here that have many more talents than me. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I may be the least of, but I'm the apple of his eye. And you best keep your mouth off of me because when you touch me, you touch the Savior. Jesus died for his church. He purchased uh, this church uh, with his own blood. Uh, we heard it today in Morning Manor. If you love your wives, uh, you need to love them like Christ uh, loved the church. I don't know if I can express it strong enough how much of Jesus loves us. How much of Jesus loves you. When I feel unlovable, Jesus loves me. When I question myself at every turn, Jesus loves me. When I'm chastised, Jesus loves me. When I don't know where to go. When I have no idea what's happening. When I have no, oh, there, there's some great privileges being part of the church of the living God. There's some pretty wonderful things about, you, you know, the Bible tells us that, that we in this life will suffer persecution. We'll go through a lot of things, uh, but be of good cheer, uh, amen, because he's overcome uh, this world, uh, amen, and, and whatever happens, uh, the Bible tells us that we'll be made overcomers, uh, amen, by the word of the, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, and when it all comes down to it, uh, all things uh, are going to work together, for we know that all things work together for the good of them that love him uh, and are called uh, according to his purpose. Uh, I am the apple of his eye. Uh, he watches me. He keeps me. He loves me. There were a couple sisters years ago and they wrote a little song and it came from a little poem that 
one of them, I understand, saying to comfort a dying child. And it said this, Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him below, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. Amen. You can only understand. God looks at his church, says, I love you so much. The exchange continues. And maybe as he expresses to her, oh, you're like the lily and the amongst the thorn. See all of this out here. See all this barren ground, thorny ground, cactus everywhere, mesquites and brambles. But in the midst, I found you. Amen. I found you. I found you. And you're so beautiful to me. And she responds to him, and maybe she hearkens back to a time when she was lost in the woods. And and there's something, say something, there's some kind of, there, there's, there, there's a fear, and I don't know whether, whether this is true or not, but maybe, maybe it did. Maybe this is what happened. Um, there, there's something about the darkness of the woods. Anybody ever been in, in, in the woods when it's getting dark and, and, uh, and you're not quite to the truck yet? Hey, man. And you're not exactly sure where the truck is, maybe? Some of you look like you've had that experience. Azzy and I were walking the other day, and, and, uh, and he would say every now and then, Papa? Are we lost? I said, no, we're not lost. We walked a little further. He said, Papa, are we lost? I said, Papa always knows where he is. He said, where are we? I said, we're right here. I can't remember what it was like. No, but where are we? You know, he's trying to figure out how to say it. I said, Grandma's house is right over the hill, okay? After a while, he says, I think I'm ready to go home. But there, there's, there's, there's something about being lost in the, in the woods. Hey, man. And, uh, and through antiquity, we see the fear of the dark woods. People get lost in the woods, and they starve or they die of exposure. Hey, man. The rain and the snow falls, causing hypothermia. Wild animals like wolves and lions and bears and, and uh, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, they're roaming through the dark woods looking for prey. Through fables and fairy tales, we see that fear of the dark woods. Hansel and Gretel got lost in the dark woods. Amen. And, and they, they ended up at the witch's house and, um, and almost got eaten by the witch. Amen. And, uh, and you find Little Red Riding Hood gets lost or she's in the dark woods when she meets. It's fascinating. I, I told my wife, I said, I almost preach on Little Red Riding Hood. I'm not going to. I heard a guy not too long ago preach on Humpty Dumpty, and I just about cracked up on that one. But um, 
but I, I sat almost preaching a little Red Riding Hood. Her mother said, stay on the path. Don't get off the path. There's Little Red Riding Hood's more than a little story you hear. You read, stay on the path. And she come in contact with, with the, there's an interesting thing. I, I said, this is kind of fascinating. Because the, in the dark woods, it was, it was later on that the lumberjack or the woodsman, the woodcutter was the guy that came and cut the wolf's stomach open and got grandma out and filled it up with rocks and whatever. You have different stories. And, but I said, it's that woodcutter. It's the one that literally had authority over the woods that saved over the darkness, the one that, that exercised authority. So you can preach on that if you want to, but I'm not going to. Anyway, <laughs> in the battle between David and Abraham, or Absalom, there's a fascinating thing that happens there. It says, for the battle was there scattered over the face of all the country, and the wood devoured more people than the sword devoured. So there's this, and, and, and I, I, love, I love the woods. I love the mountains. I love the, all of that. And yet, and yet I, have, I have looked into the depths of the woods and I have seen. And it's interesting, if you walk on, on Mount Graham, you'll find that as you go through the deep woods, and there's some places that where there's very deep woods, as you go through the deep woods, there's not a lot of sustenance there, especially a basically uh, uh, a healthy forest. It's just trees and grass, and occasionally you'll find berries. You'll find raspberries, but there's you might shoot a, a deer and kill or whatever needed. But there's not a lot of sustenance there, and, and um, it's a place of of a uh, it's a place where you can starve very very easily. And the um, she looks at him. And maybe she hearkened back to the fear of the wood. And she says, you're, you're not just a handsome man. But you are like an apple tree in the midst of the trees of the wood. Brother Rick probably remembers driving down from the mountain parking at a little spot Years ago, it's gone now, but there was an apple tree that almost nobody knew about. And he would park there and get an apple off of that tree and eat it when he, whenever it was in season. She said, you're like the apple tree. Amen. And there I find sustenance. And you spread your bow over me. And you guard me from the elements. Uh, amen. You protect me. You're like that in the midst of all of this. Ezekiel. Describes from one place of the state of a shepherdless Israel and says, Then they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandereth through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon the face of all, all the face of the earth. Amen. Amen. And so I look at this and I think that in the midst of this dark and sinful world, there's false doctrine everywhere. There's perversity everywhere. There's violence and there's hate. In
in the midst of that, spreading his bowels, if you will, amen, reaching out with protection and provision is the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous runneth into it and are saved. She looks at him and says, you're not like the other trees of the forest. You're not like all the darkness here, but you've got something that nothing else has. Jesus, you've got something nobody else has. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You've got shelter. You've got provision. You've got healing. You know, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Amen. And you keep Jesus as part of your daily life. It'll keep the devil away. Amen. There's all of that in my life. I can, I can, I can get under the boughs of that tree. And when the rain falls, amen, in the midst of fear, there's comfort and peace. Amen. In the midst of hopelessness, hopelessness, and hopelessness seems to be the order of the day. You know that? I've never seen in my life a time when hopelessness was so much the order of the day. I believe it was Brother Nate was teaching or speaking or doing something. The other day he talked about suicide, the amount of suicide that happens. Amen. And there's just it just seems like terrible things are happening. A guy wrote, somebody wrote, actually it's a lady that wrote this. I read an article he said this, or she said this, a highly intelligent friend of mine who's now in the grave, a secularist and a man of the left, once sat with me in a Chicago park as we watched a circle of young people silently consulting their phones, ignoring one another. Suddenly he commented, you know, and this was an atheist speaking, you know, if I were the devil, I would invent the iPhone. Like, oh, Goodness sakes alive. Amen. I'm going to tell you, the devil is working overtime. He's driving division and nurturing depression and suicide. Amen. He's causing wrath and anger, taking idle hands and filling them with ungodly actions. He's taking itching minds and ears and eyes and filling them with perversity and vile affections and immoral actions. He's taken advantage of the power of technology and used it for nefarious reasons. It started with television. It started a long time before that, but it really started with television and what seemed like the and harmless uh, programming devolved uh, into the depths of sin uh, and filth. Uh, he took a useful uh, tool like the internet uh, and transformed it into a portal of perversion. He took a dangerous, and it was a dangerous virus, uh, but he combined it with, an, with autocratic governments uh, all over the world, uh, including, I feel like, our own, uh, and did everything he could to try to crush the church of the almighty God. He has taken fear to a new level in our world today. But hear me, amen, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the living God. For underneath are his everlasting arms and his wings cover me. Oh, hallelujah. 
Oh, we stumble through the darkness of the world. We wander through the sickness of our society. We beat our heads against walls that we can't break through. And we go through, we hear false doctrine here and garbage there. But then in the midst of that, we walk in and there's this beautiful tree spreading its branches, hanging with the fruit that she said is sweet to my taste. Oh, 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 living for God so wonderful. I love living for Jesus. Hallelujah. He treats me so good. He treats me so good. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Would you stand with me? I'm going to close. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. I'm so glad, Brother Harvey, that he loves me and I love him. And in the midst of everything, I want you to know something. We have never been in a time where, like we're in right now. We've never felt the things that we felt right now. We've never struggled with the stuff that we're struggling right now. We walk into our streets. We look into our schools. Amen. We look into our workplaces. We see all of that. And it just goes down further and further and further and further. Oh, God, help us. Oh, God, help us. Hallelujah. There's danger. I thought of preaching a message one time years and years ago. I told you about this. I thought of preaching. I never did preach it. I don't think I did anyway. There was years ago, and I think they had a new one. There was a program where they had a robot, and that robot would say, Danger, Will Robinson. Amen. What was that called? Lost in Space. Danger, Will Robinson. When danger would come into the situation, this robot would say, Danger, Will Robinson. I think that's how it happened. I don't remember. I'm here to tell you, I feel it's danger, church of the living God. There's danger out there. Scary things out there. They're trying to change your children. They're trying to change your children. There are predators out there after your children. They want to destroy your children. We have the most beautiful young ladies and girls in this church. You'll see anywhere. But they want to change your children to something you won't recognize. The devil is working overtime. He wants to twist their minds and their spirits. Oh. But oh, how he loves us. <laughs> oh, how he loves me. His eye is on the sparrow. I'm the apple of his eye. And I don't care how big or strong the gates are. They won't prevail against me. 
They won't prevail against this church. Would you just begin to find your way down? Let's begin to touch the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Tell him you love him. Remind him how much you love him because he's been busy reminding you how much he loves you. Oh, hallelujah. Take a taste, amen, of the honey, of the fruit of the Lord, and see that it's good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's gather to the front. Just begin to raise our hands and tell him how much you love him. Lord, I believe the presence, the power of the Lord is here right now. Somebody need a touch of the Holy Ghost in this place. Hallelujah. The scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Why don't you just reach out to him right now and begin to taste the presence and the power of God. Begin to feel, amen, what it feels like when the love of Jesus begins to flow. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Oh, how I love you, Jesus. Tell him you love him. Remind him how much you love him. Remind him how much you love him. Because he loves you so much. There's people here who need the Holy Ghost. Why don't you let the Holy Ghost begin to flow right now? Come on, let the Holy Ghost begin to flow. Oh, there's people that need a touch of the Holy Ghost in this place. 